When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Wednesday, David Campbell, sports manager at cleveland.com, here as always with Terry Pluto, award-winning columnist and sports writer for The Plain Dealer. Terry, how's it going? Have you dug out from the snow? Yeah, had lots of practice on Monday, that's for sure, for myself and a neighbor and all that. So, uh, Usually the, uh, the snow belt. I made what? by a snowblower. That, you should put that a poll, a poll up. Is that worth buying a snowblower? For a 12 inch, uh, what did you get? 12 or 15 inches the other day? It was 12 here. Yeah. Akron. Well, your daughter's down here. So, yeah. Yeah. And usually the snow belt gets hit a lot harder, but Akron and Cleveland seem like they got pretty much the same. So, anyway, if you don't live in Cleveland, uh, this was a good week to be somewhere else with all the snow and school shutting down. So, hey, so let's talk about the story everybody's talking about in town this week the Red Hot Cavaliers. One of the great stories in the NBA this season, Terry. some good news for us this week. Chris Fedor has come back to cover the yes. team after being off after he and his wife, Holly had their baby, Elliot. I'm so jealous. The kid is two years old and he's got this incredible head of hair. <laughs> it's just so pushy, but we're really gl- glad Chris is back. And um, the team he's back joining the team at a great time, really fun team to cover. The Cavs are in fourth place. They've won five in a row. Uh, they're in fourth, fourth place in the East 27 and 18. And Terry, I was just realizing this. So the, the all-star game coaches, of course, the all-star game is going to be here in Cleveland next month. The coaches are selected on February 6th. The Cavs are only a game and a half out of first place in the Eastern conference. What if they win, you know, go on a little bit of a run here and keep, keep winning, uh, you know, two or two out of every three, three out of every four. And what if JB Bickerstaff ends up being the, uh, Eastern Conference All-Star coach. That would be something, wouldn't it? It would be. It's amazing how you've just gone from, you know, the dismal three years to to this. Uh, it's almost like part of me thinking it's too much too soon. But I also know in the NBA, when that you finally have fate smiling upon you, you know, or it's a, it's a black church saying, when God opens a window and pours in a blessing, don't shut the window. And it's the same thing here when you've got a team that's young and hot and doing well. Um, I mean, who knows? Maybe they end up being the, you know, the Phoenix Suns or the Atlanta Hawks of a year ago and can really do something in the playoffs. I didn't realize they're only a couple of games out of first place in the East. So 
Yeah, it's been such it's, a tumultuous. The Bulls, the Bulls, yeah, the Bulls, are in, the Bulls first. are in first, and the Cavs are playing the Bulls tonight. And yeah, the Cavs are only a game a game and a half out of first place in the Eastern Conference, and they play the shorthanded Bulls tonight. The Bulls are going to be without uh, Zach Levine. Um, but before we get into the Bulls game tonight and, and the upcoming schedule, it was kind of interesting. The people are looking for a quote unquote signature win for the Cavs, mm-hmm. and and it seems like every time they play a marquee team, someone's out. And the other night. Uh, an impressive win over the Brooklyn Nets, who were without Kevin Durant. But it seemed like Monday night, the Cavs really wanted to let people know, like, hey, we're legit. And Darius Garland said after the game, we consider our team one of the best teams in the East. J.B. Bickerstaff basically said, I'll put these guys up against anybody. Uh, what do you think? Is this team one of the best in the East? Or what are you thinking at this point? Well, I think actually of all the teams I saw play them, Milwaukee played them the best. Uh, when that so and Milwaukee does did win the title but they were the one team Miami did it to a lesser extent that really created problems for Darius Garland and they got the ball out of his hands and he really struggled uh, so that's the team that you know I worry about but I can't believe me having this conversation so who you worry about these because we know the Cavs are going to be in the playoffs for sure and who can they knock off um you're going by, you know, this season, which has been a messed up season with all the COVID and the players missing, but everybody's gone through that. And right now the Cavs are going through it better than anyone else. Um, they have caught the league by surprise, not only by winning, but also with their big lineup and the way that's worked. Um, it's kind of like in football where you come up with a whole new way of offense or, and it takes, you know, the coach has got to go to work on that for a while, but I'm, you know, I'm just, I'm just enjoying it. And I think the other thing too, is for fans to realize that this is a, this is the nice time because the team's playing well without great expectations. And I'm not in the mood to put great expectations on them this year. I just want them to make the playoffs and, um, and just, just play well, continue to grow because otherwise, you know, what happens, this is the fun time. And then you overachieve in a season. Say, for example, the Browns. You know, I, I would think I considered the, the year ago they overachieved at eleven and five won a playoff game because I think I had them at either I think I had them eight and eight was my guess. Uh, and then after that, it's like, oh, you, now you guys start talking Super Bowl or this or that. It, it steals some of the joy of uh, watching a young team grow. So I guess that's where I'm at with the Cavaliers. I don't not guess. I know that's where I'm at with the Cavaliers. I want to watch a young team grow. I don't want them making big trades. I don't want crazy things happening. Let's just see what, uh, how good they really are. Because now we do know that the coaches will be digging in deep on how to deal with the big lineup. Um, and one of the ways that I saw early on is, you know, Garland really is the engine that's driving this thing. And if you get the ball out of his hands, um, then let's see what, how the Cavs deal with that and how Garland deals with it. Garland is learning to do something Mark Price did years ago where when the double team would come at him, David, he would dribble back a step or two, and then there would be a slight opening with one, one or the other created, and he split the double team. He'd almost throw his dribble between the two guys. And that was a way of, because that was always what the Cavaliers back when I covered them. And the reason I'm mentioning that is not just simply because I covered them, but a lot of fans who are older see similarities between that team, which was big with Doherty Nance and Hot Rod Williams, 
and a guard that was a, a, a scorer and a playmaker like Price and Garland. So there's a lot of that there. But the big thing there was take the ball out of Price's hands. In fact, David, when they would play the Bulls in the playoffs in the fourth quarter, Michael Jordan would take Mark Price. That's how important it was to get the that's ball out of his hands. That's how big of a deal it was. Yeah. So the, there, that's one of the similarities I see. Garland, this is marvelous. I mean, this kid went from his five games at Vanderbilt, knee injury. Then he had not one but two surgeries. They had to go back for a second surgery and clean that thing up before his rookie year. Rookie year, remember, you kind of got hurt some. He looked lost. Just, I thought, oh, man, you know, they miss on this guy. Then last year, you know, he started to play better. And then it was like, okay, he's got a chance to be pretty good. And it just took off this year. And it's really taken off even more, you know, once Sexton was gone and, and the ball is completely in his hands. So, and he's special because he has a variety of shots. Uh, if you're trying to defend him one-on-one, -on -one, I mean, he can make a, a 28 to 30 footer on a three-pointer. He has the in-between floater. Um, and also he has a lot of kind of going to the basket, spin shots off the backboard from a variety of directions. When he's going to the rim, you're not sure if he's going to throw a lop or he's going to shoot a floater into the rim. I mean, it's, it's, it's fascinating to watch. Yeah, and it's been fun to watch him play, too, when he got the triple-double. He's just playing with such joy this season, mm -hmm. and I think he really loves his teammates, but I also think he loves that he's kind of being introduced to the world a little bit, step-by-step, step, sure. and he's kind of enjoying – you're talking about enjoying the process as a fan. Um, here's a player who's really enjoying the process of, like, coming out, you know, and, and showing the league what he is. Um, Terry, here's – I wanted to share some – these are some numbers from Cavs Media Relations about Darius Garland. All right, so he was named the Eastern Conference Player of the Week. He's scored 20-plus points in three straight games. He's averaging 27 points a game, 12.7 assists, and 5.0 rebounds over that span. He's had a double-double in four of his last five. Against Brooklyn the other night on Monday, he had his 13th double-double of the season with 22 points, 12 assists, 6 rebounds, 2 steals. And that was in 36 minutes. He's on pace to become the first player in NBA history who's 22 years old or younger to average 19 points per game, seven assists per game, to shoot four, 460 or higher from the field and 90% or higher from the free throw line in a single season. So that's a little bit of a specific stat there, but you get the idea. He's, he's doing some things that are pretty impressive uh, for being such a young player. There's no doubt about that. When you can make outside shots it really makes it easier for you because uh, it sets up your drive and he takes great delight in throwing those lob passes to the big guys. And of course, big guys love it when you do everything except put the ball in the basket for them. You put it right up over the rim and all they got to do is jump up there and kind of jam it through or drop it in. And I also think that he doesn't seem to be, even though he's scoring a lot, he's not particularly caught up on that. Um, now my one concern is they do need to get Rondo healthy and probably find another guard that backcourt. While it's nice to see Okoro and Stevens taking over the shooting guard spot and bringing, see that fits how the Cavaliers play. These are big, tough defensive guards. You know, they, yes, they can score some, but they're really out there. They'll go out and they protect Garland because they could take, they could take a 6-1 guy who can score. Or they could take a 6-8 guy who can score in the backcourt. It doesn't matter. 
that allows Garland not to always just have to face the toughest uh, player on defense. But there's really nobody behind Garland. I mean, the Goodwin kids played okay and that. I don't want to see him get worn down the regular season. And that is always an issue with a small regard. And so you're looking for someone who come in and play 10 minutes or something. Is that, is that the idea somebody, but when Rondo I was back from his hamstring, 20, you know, that was yeah. the nice thing about Rubio. He could play both guard spots. He's six, three. He was physically tough. You know, Rondo, we'll see, maybe he can do it, but unfortunately he's in his middle thirties. You saw that he played 20 some minutes, his first two games and here comes a hamstring. You know, you have to watch that. And I, I think they should just keep shopping. This is not making a, franchise trade you know changing trade or whatever but um don't, that would be the one area i say don't be content and there'll be those guys available so one more thing on garland so you know you know how it works in the nba you start to score a lot you start to become a prominent player i mean there are le- coaches around the league who are coming out before games and calling darius garland an elite guard uh, and they're going to start throwing some different looks at him. What have you seen in terms of how he's been able to adjust his game, do some of the stuff like you're talking about with Mike, Mark Price about pulling out, maybe trying to reset the offense, do something different. Have you seen him making adjustments if t- as teams have thrown different looks at him? Oh, ab- absolutely. Um, the big thing he's come up with, that floater helps a lot because you don't have to go all the way to the rim. So sometimes just when the big guys are getting ready to unload on you, you've gotten rid of the ball. Uh, because what they're going to do is they're going to tell their, their big man, this little guy goes to the rim, knock him down. I mean, not tr- here, knock him down. That was uh, the strategy against Price, too, was if you could physically run him into picks, you know, so see if you could wear him down. And that's why having another guard. Now, Coral can bring it up some, but I just would like to have another guard that, you know, could have some point guard skills. We saw it with Rubio. We even saw it in one of the, I think, one of the, Two games where Rondo played, where he took some of the the heat off of uh, uh, off of Garland. Now, if you want to go into the time machine again, Lenny Wilkins worked very hard with Craig Elo being able to bring the ball up the court, just kind of see the offense, some to take some pressure off Price, and then Price would run off a pick and <clears throat> and get a shot that way. So there's a lot of uh, a lot of options. You know, JB's a smart coach. And I, that's the other thing. I have tremendous confidence in him. And he's been very adamant about that his players not think that the moment's too big, that the, he, he expects them to c- compete against whoever's out there every night, whether it's the, the Bucks or the Lake, any team, the Warriors. He wants to see the same kind of basketball, and he doesn't want them to be kind of intimidated. Yes, he's, he's trying to get them ready for the playoffs, and that'll be the big challenge, too, because we mentioned how the Cats are different than most teams. Well, in the playoffs, you have a lot more time to prepare and adjust, so that will be uh, intriguing to see. I will, and I will say this, too, that um, he's smart enough to know this is a strange year with guys coming and going and that, so don't limit your guys. You know, don't limit your, your team in a year where, you know, Kyrie Irving plays like four games out of whatever. And um, Durant gets hurt. Uh, the Lakers have been in some disarray, you know, all these kind of things. Don't limit you. Don't limit you. This could be the year that that window of a blessing opens. So pour through it. Yeah. You see a lot of teams come up with a model like why not us every year. And a lot of times 
you can see why not yeah. <laughs> a certain team, but yeah, yeah I, I think for the Cavs, why not, why not, why not us applies. So yeah, a why not us in a year. It's like, what happened to us with some of these other good teams? <laughs> right. Right. All right. So the bull, the bulls are on the docket tonight for the Cavaliers. That is in Chicago at eight o'clock. Chris Fedor will be there covering that. Then the Cavs have a three game homestand um, starting Saturday at home against Oklahoma city. That's at eight. Then they're Monday at home against the Knicks. That's at seven. And then next Wednesday, they are home against the Milwaukee bucks. Terry, I want you to watch out for my fellow Illini tonight, Ayo Dasumu. He is going to be in the starting lineup for the Bulls because the Bulls, well, not because, but the Bulls are without Zach Levine. Lonzo Ball is also out with a knee with knee soreness. Um, Alex Caruso is coming off of COVID, but Ayo is going to be in the league for a long time. He became the first rookie in NBA history to record 20 points and 10 assists while shooting 90%. Um, the other night when they played Boston. So keep yeah, an eye I, on him. He's going to be a good like player. I forgot what game it was because I had to kind of look to see who he was. I was not familiar with him. And he's got a, he's got a lot of talent. One other thing I wanted to mention, David, too, about the Cavs is when I was watching a lot of those games, because I was sort of doing cover from home, um, when they played Oklahoma City and San Antonio, especially Sacramento to a lesser degree, but those teams, they looked like the Cavs used to look. You know, a bunch of young guys with some talent just kind of running around. But there was no kind of identity. It was just like maybe we could outscore them or this. And when it got close, you just knew they couldn't close the deal. And the Cavs have moved out of that thing of we've got a bunch, as they call in the NBA, assets, a bunch of young guys. No, they have players. That's different. They have players. And not just assets. And uh, that's, I'm so glad to be out of that because to me, it was, it's very frustrating to watch a young clueless team, even if it has some talent. Yeah. We've talked about this is just how this team it plays the same way every night. And mm-hmm. I, I don't think fans should underappreciate that because you're right. Not every t- some teams, they're all about pieces and putting guys out there. I think that's a really good point you make. So. Um, all right, well, let's see how the Cavs do uh, tonight against the Bulls, and then they'll have a three-game homestand. Hey, Terry, let's take a break. We will talk some Baker Mayfield. He had his surgery today. I want to get your thoughts. Um, we had this series on the Mayfield Matrix and kind of five options that the Browns could pursue with their quarterback and the future. Um, and then we'll talk a little bit about your faith column. We got some really good Terry, hey, Terry questions this week. We'll get into those. And then I have a Terry Terry's trivia Cavs question for you at the end. So we'll take a break. We'll be right back on Terry's talking. We're back on Terry's talking David Campbell with Terry Pluto, Terry Baker Mayfield had surgery today to go into that shoulder and repair it. He's looking at a four to six month recovery. Mary Kay Cabot, our colleague is reporting that he could be back in time for OTAs, depending on how the rehab goes. Um, What are you thinking about? You know, the operation, obviously getting it done earlier is better. This is a long rehab. Um, what, do you, what are your thoughts on Baker Mayfield? And then I want to get into this Mayfield matrix package that we just, that we uh, had online this week. But uh, where are you at with Baker and the surgery? Well, we won't be able to get the exact medical report, but the Browns will. And that will be interesting when they take a look at, all right, how bad was his shoulder? Uh, and then there was that area where he had a, what, a non-displaced fracture. I'm sure they looked at that. I'm, I don't think he had to do anything on that, but um, maybe it wasn't as bad as they thought, or maybe it was worse. And that might dictate some of their decisions on when you talk about your matrix and what to do will be the medical report. Because 
I think we all should know by now, not all surgeries, you know, are created equal, even though they all may have the same name. Like they, there's a reason they say there's this between four months to six months. I mean, that's a variance. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's a big window there. It's not like you'll hear sometimes four to six weeks. So I think that it's depending upon what they find. Yeah. And like you said, that'll determine uh, what the rehab will look like. So let's get into this a little bit. So um, our colleagues, Doug Maurice, Mary Kay Cabot, Dan Lobby, Scott Patsko, Ashley Bassock, they've spent the last week both on podcasts and on cleveland.com and in the plain dealer breaking down like five options that the Browns could follow as they're kind of figuring out what they want to do with their quarterback position here in the near future. The first option is bring in a veteran option to compete with Mayfield. The second one is go all in with Baker Mayfield and don't give him an extension, but go all in for next season. The third one was trade Mayfield for a more established quarterback, kind of like the Matt Stafford, Jared, uh, Jared Goff trade that was uh, orchestrated last season. The fourth option is sign Mayfield to a modest extension. And then the fifth option is draft a real rookie option to compete or back up Mayfield. And that is the fifth one. So Terry, where do you kind of fit on this scale here? I'm going to tell you how the fans voted in a second, but what do you think about those five options and how you think the Browns should proceed? Well, there's a couple that to me don't make any sense. You're not giving an extension modest or otherwise. And if you're Baker Mayfield, why would you take a modest extension unless you really were doubting your own ability? You know, Baker Mayfield's eyes, I bet on me. Well, this would be a year for him to do that. Um, bring in a quarterback to back him up, a rookie quarterback to back him up. I mean, that would imply kind of drafting him in the first or second round. I don't think there's going to be a guy there that makes a whole lot of sense. So I knocked those two out right there. Um, what uh, going all in with Baker, you know, without an extension, I mean, that's probably where they're going to end up. It's probably where I would end up, assuming there's nothing big red flags on the medical. Uh, but I do want a veteran guy, whether it's to compete or just be there, because I don't like just having no, you know, Garrett Gilbert. Remember, they had him as a backup or some of these other guys. I want a real quarterback so that if we have another time where Baker's shoulder pops out, they, hopefully they won't hesitate like they did a year ago to put in a put in Case Keenum. I mean, I'm all, I know it'd be kind of expensive, but I wouldn't mind having Keenum back next year. Yeah. And he made $5 million this past season. Would yeah. You- I was looking on a cap will be on a cap accounts is eight cash accounts is six. Um, I mean, it's kind of expensive, but it's only the most important position on the team. True. True. So let's I mean, okay. You can yeah. get rid of him and you do Andy Dalton. You know, some of these other guys floating around. But uh, if you could get Andy Dalton for $8 million on a one-year deal, would you do that? I'd rather have Case. Yeah? Yeah, I really would. Maybe the Browns wouldn't, but I would just because <laughs> I think when I've seen him play, whether it's the preseason or there, I'm like, that's okay. I'm not saying it's great. And we, I, we all saw a lot of Andy Dalton. I didn't get much past that's okay with Andy Dalton either. Other than I know Case Keenum is probably better suited for this system than Dalton is. Uh, yeah, and that's I, an important point, Terry, because you see a yeah. lot of teams, they when they have two quarterbacks, they want them to play a similar kind of football mm-hmm. because in the middle of a game, especially if somebody goes down, your offense is what it is. And you don't want someone who wants to run every play 
coming in to replace a guy who you drop back every play. So I think you're right. How the, the backup fits into the offense is a huge, huge consideration instead of just like, oh, who, who's the big name we can get in here? And, um, and you see teams around the league, they really try to bookend that. So they like, have like you get like yeah. Winston's available, I think, and some of these others. It's like, I don't know. And along those lines, Baltimore with Huntley, who I guess is a free agent, by the way, uh, you know, plays very similar to Lamar Jackson. Um, and that's a nice, that's why they almost, you know, pulled this thing out of Baltimore did. And um, because they have the two guys with, with the same system. So that would be probably my thing would be, I would say I'm going all in with Baker as I wrote a column. And I think we mentioned on the show last week. So one veteran coach told me he's my quarterback until he's not. And that's yep. how I say, and that's how I act. And I am, you're not going to get a negative word about me other than he maybe he needs to do this better, but you will get one negative word about I'm replacing him or no, no, no. He's my guy until he's not. And even if I have to say after the Monday was, he's still my guy, but we decide by Wednesday, then I'll come in and announce Wednesday. He's not, <laughs> but that's it. But also the coach mentioned, I think this is a good point that, you know, when you kind of go over that bridge to the other side, and say he's not, then you have to be kind of patient with the other guy too. You can't do the yo-yo. And I remember I saw that here. Uh, fans will remember when they had, well, it was, it was Derek Anderson. And well, I mean, you got to Derek Anderson and Charlie Fry where you're flipping coins. I remember that Romeo Land. That's never, he really did before next, the, the first preseason game, he flipped the coin. I think Charlie Fry lost, but uh uh, and then another time, I know there was kind of Derek Quinn and Brady Quinn. I mean, Derek Anderson, Brady Quinn going back and forth. Um, and I saw that some with Couch and Holcomb. It doesn't particularly work well. So that was the point of the coach. It's like he's your guy till he's not. And then when he's not, then the other guy deserves some runway to prove he could be the guy. And maybe that was the reason they just stayed with Baker so long. They just didn't want to go that far down the runway. And uh, – and then suddenly Case plays fairly well, and then they're kind of into where are we with the quarterback. But you go back and, you know, I those two losses to Pittsburgh should bug Browns fans and should bug the Browns because just mediocre quarterback play wins those games. Mediocre. Yeah, I mean, this for the second half of the game in Cleveland, the Steelers didn't have a kicker. Yeah. He got 15 hurt. 15 10. Yeah. And they, they still couldn't win. Back. That was that was a, just a, a gut punch for them. And then, I know you that. know, Baker Knight was a five passes batted down and all that. I mean, it's just so anyway. All right, I'm done. No, no, it's fine. So I'm before not, I forget, not. I want to I want to share the results with people who are listening. Yeah, because so, I'm interested. So, to yeah. So the, the first option, um, which was the highest percentage, bring in a veteran option with Mayfield, which was 25 percent of the people voted for that. Did they want him? Was it written so that they would he would compete with Mayfield? Is that it? Yeah, to push him, to push him. Oh boy, we got to establish number two. Flips. (laughs) Number two at twenty three percent. Twenty three percent of the fans said they wanted to go and go all in with Mayfield and without an extension and just see how next season goes. And then you, like we've talked about, you can franchise him for another year or two. That's probably where I'm at. Number three, also at twenty three percent, was trade Mayfield for a more established QB. And who would that be, young man? 
Well, there were some good names. I mean, everybody's throwing out Russell Wilson as a possibility. There, there's, you know, you go. There's probably five oh, or seven. Matt Ryan was another one from Atlanta who might be available. That was another one that they discussed um, in the series. What do you think of those names? Matt Ryan is someone who's been on a losing well, team Russell for a Wilson, long. You got it. He's got a no trade. You got all kinds of things going on there. Right. Right. Um, Matt Ryan. But as Mary Kay pointed out. The Browns have had some really good success. It's like people traditionally don't want to play in Cleveland because of the dysfunction. But once the Browns get people in the building and, and these players see kind of the new vibe and the new culture that's happening there, they have, they look at Clowney, the Clowney didn't, J, the Clowney did not want to play here for a long time. And Mary Kay pointed this well, out. JV and Clowney also couldn't get more than a one-year contract for like three years in a row. Right. Right. Let's, let's be real here. And yeah. this year he, he, Last year, he turned down more money to go sign with, uh, I think, with Seattle. This year, he took the more money. Uh, and I believe that – and he fired his agent, by the way, who is Bus Cook. Uh, and Bus is the guy that got the big contract for Miles Garrett. And he also got the big contract for Jamie Collins with the Browns. He has a very good um, repu uh, reputation with the Browns and relationship this is one of those kind of inside football things, but even he couldn't get Clowney a, a multi-year contract and then Clowney got frustrated and fired him and he ended up signing the one-year contract anyway. So my, my point is, <clears throat> yes, when you get him in here, that's true. But when they have a lot of options and Russell Wilson is like, whether he wants a big market or whatever, I mean, I don't know, but somebody like Ryan, I've got to really look at this because it's just kind of floated around the back of my head what his contract is, can he be the Ryan Tannehill? Remember how Ryan Tannehill in Miami was considered? Eh, I'm not going anywhere with that guy. Um, in the right system, these running backs, I mean, from pure quarterback, dis, you know, over the last few years, I mean, I, I always thought Ryan had more gifts than Baker in terms of quarterback skills. I have to check the, I guess I haven't really looked at him. So that'd be good for next week. We're going to, we will take a deep dive on Matt and Ryan. <laughs> Cause I don't know what the, what are the, what is Atlanta doing? Are they, are they tanking now or what do they want to do? Oh, I don't know if anybody's tanking in the NFL. You can turn things around pretty fast, but uh, anyway, no, I, know let, let me, that did. I know one team that did. <laughs> let me finish let, the yeah. standard of tanking <laughs> one and 31. If you're not tanking, then you're even dumber than we thought. They have the parade to prove it, don't they? So, all right. So I just want to run through these real quick. So the last two were 15% of the fans said they wanted to sign Mayfield to a modest extension, which, which is kind of like what Jacksonville did with Blake Bortles after yeah. they made that playoff run. Uh, and the last one at 14%. How did that work? Yeah. The last one at 14% was draft a real rookie option with Mayfield. That was 14%. So Terry, you were at, at, you were at the number two most popular option. Yeah. Bring in a veteran option with Mayfield was number one um, at 25%. And then we had go all in with Mayfield without an extension at 23 and trade Mayfield for a more established QB, which is 23. Mm. Very interesting. The fans, you rarely see a poll that's kind of that even in terms of fan sentiment, especially with so Baker. Odd. It's always like people are all in on Baker yeah. or they're, they don't like Baker. Well, what, what I liked about the, the, the series, along with the in-depth work they all did, and, and you mentioned all the, uh, mention all the writers again because I, I I don't want to leave somebody out. But Doug yeah, it was Dougley Maurice, Mary Kay Cabot, Scott Patsko, Dan Lobby, Ashley Bastock. It was a great package. Right. So they all did really 
looked in depth at this and they didn't just say, well, Baker, stay or go, you know, thumbs up, thumbs down, throw them to the lions, let the lions eat them up. Uh, no, or make them emperor, take your pick. The lions eat them or he gets to be emperor. No, there's a lot of subtle uh, things that are involved here and things that the teams would have to look at. Uh, you know, boy, you look at some of these guys and you think who are number one or number two picks, you know, Jared Goff has just fallen right off the face of the earth. You look at, I thought for a little I would while, argue, I would argue against that. If you, if you watch the Lions the last half of the season, I think they're starting to get things rolling there. And I think he with, with might Goff. have found with Goff. I, I think that okay. once, um, once they changed the play calling there, and they got uh, more physical. I some early before the Browns. Then he didn't play in a Browns game. Yeah, I would say the jury's still out on him. But anyway, I didn't, okay, well, I didn't anyway, mean to interrupt you there. Yeah, that's okay. That's what we're, we're here for. And <laughs> remember, David, I told you this. I'll fight you a lot more on, on, on basketball and foot, and basketball and baseball than football. Because I watch my teams, but I don't watch it kind of in general where the other uh, things I feel a lot more comfortable with. Well, all right. So golf, but what's what he went from a number one pick to playing in the Super Bowl to a maybe. Carson Wentz, number two pick, playing in the Super. Well, he didn't play in the Super Bowl, but it basically helped get his team there. To a maybe, to like I for a while it looked like he was alive with the Colts. Now they're like, hey, we don't know. Hey, the Browns could probably get him. You want Carson Wentz? You could probably get him. Maybe you could do. It's like uh, on the stock exchange, two damaged properties. You know, you could trade out of one company that fired its CEO and all that and has the, you know, the, uh, the accountants at the door in trouble for another company that is hiring a new CEO, has no idea what he's doing, but maybe that'll be, you know, how about you want that? How about Baker for Carson Wentz? I would not want to see the poll numbers on that one right now. Yeah, you should put that out there. <laughs> probably in Indiana, they'd be willing to take Baker, and probably in Cleveland, they'd be willing to take Wentz. I don't know. Not after the way the Colts uh, season ended there. I don't. I don't know if Browns fans would be on board with that. But it's fast, and this is going to be. You want if you want Carson Wentz, you can get him. <laughs> All right, so we'll be following this quarterback thing the whole offseason, Terry. It's going to be just uh, every week is going to bring something new, I'm guessing, in terms of Baker's rehab and, and who's moving where, and I'm sure some of the quarterbacks will be changing places. But one thing that's kind of getting lost in the postseason here a little bit with all the Baker talk, and I know, I know you wanted to get into this, was just how good the Browns' defense was, especially down the stretch and especially in the defensive backfield. You found some really interesting numbers in terms of how effective the Browns were defending the pass. Yeah, pro football focus, which I like some of their stats, but some I, you know, some I don't, but they have a, they do a pretty good job on, on one of the things like coverage, you could tell. In fact, I was talking once with uh, Andrew Barry about this many, many months ago. And I mentioned how when I have a trouble watching when they're out there and there's no contact at all, it's kind of the, you know, they're, they're just out there, they're playing 11-11, but nobody's really hitting anybody. But I said one thing, I said, you, if you see a guy, a receiver split out and the cornerbacks on him, you get an idea. Can this guy cover one-on-one? -on -one? And he agreed. He said, that's one of the big things they really look at in those drills is that, um, you know, can you, when you're out there, it's you and him, you know, it's Denzel Ward against Odell, say in practice or whoever it would be. And that was a way to judge Odell, a judge Denzel Ward. Well, 
you could do that during the season too. And they develop quarterback ratings and like it was throwing the uh, when guys that uh, uh, Greedy Williams covered were, were throwing the ball six times in that game. The guy caught two passes and only gained 16 yards, you know, and then you can see how many times that the Greedy break it up. They, they looked at the Browns cornerbacks and they really focused in on, uh, on, on the three of them. And, and they basically rated them number four in the NFL. And, and these guys that, are all young and they're all, well, yeah, two, news, two of them are under team control and one of them is going to have an extension coming up yeah, soon after. Wilson, yeah. And, and, and also, and, and remember you could do the same thing with Denzel Ward that we talked about with Baker. He's got, a, he's already set for next year's contract. If need be, you can franchise him. I don't know if it'll end that way. I'm, I'm wondering if the Browns, so. especially for a guy who's from Northeast Ohio, you know, yeah, Denzel went I, to, went to Nordonia high school down. It's like Ohio, someone you yeah, want around I, for a while. I, that, I, I, I'm with you. Might I go, yeah, I think so too. I think they might try and get that done this off season. Um, yeah. Really it, interesting stuff. When you have an elite player who's from here or wants to stay here and you know, Ward it wasn't either Walter, Walter Payton, I believe, um, uh, nominee for community service and that, you know, he's very connected. He's a humble guy. And I just think that uh, they will want to keep him um, here. And I'm sure he'll probably instruct his agent, get me a really good deal, but we don't have to set the market like they talk about with others. And then Greedy Williams, by the way, Greedy Williams is the one that I am most surprised about. I didn't see much from him as a rookie. And then the, the never-ending shoulder injury. And then look at him this year when he got a chance to play. Pretty good. Pretty good. So, um, Terry, do you want to – I, we're kind of up against it on time here, but I did want to touch on Malik McDowell real quick. I know you you've do a lot of uh, ministry work, and you've seen a lot of people who are having trouble, and it's, it's so sad to see what happened to Malik McDowell this week down in Florida. Um, was walking around naked near a school. A, uh, um, a patrolman came up to him. Uh, Malik, according to the report, there was an altercation. Punches were thrown. It's it's just a sad a sad thing to see, and we certainly hope he can get the help he needs. Um, and, yeah, and he's facing some major legal issues, David, big time, because his record is so bad. Um, and, you know, you look at, I mean, there's been substance abuse in the bad. There's a lot going on there. And this is a classic thing, too, of, you know, he's away from the team, away from structure. And now sometimes you offer these guys chances to stick around, chances to stay in programs, chances to do this. And they one of the toughest things when people are coming off of um, having been through addictions and other problems like that, they have some success for a while. And then you think you have it. It's just like anything else in life. You know, if you this one, you think you know it all. It's when you find out you really don't. But this this is a lot. I was looking at the arrest record and things over the years. It's pretty bad, David. So uh, he needs some help. But I'm telling you, he's facing serious legal consequences for this. Yeah, I mean, there's the football part of this, too, in terms of whether he'll be back with the Browns and what the Browns will do. But aside from that, you just hope that when you see yeah, something like this, need, that he can get the help he needs and get, and get back on track. Yeah, you know, Probably some sort of inpatient thing to start with all that, see what's going on there. Then he's going to have to – I don't – see, I just don't well, – the reason I bring the legal stuff up, David, is I don't see that he would even be eligible to play this year. That may be true. That may be true. So, All right. Hey, Terry, um, your faith column this week, your faith in you column – 
it's something that we all kind of deal with. It's about worrying and kind of not obsessing over things you can't control. I thought uh, Wayne Dawson, who you interviewed for, had some really interesting insights there. Yeah, well, a lot of people don't know Wayne Dawson won't be on TV eight in the morning as a pastor of a Grace Tabernacle Church in Lyndhurst. And um, <clears throat> so I was talking to him. It's nice to have somebody like Wayne, besides just somebody who's a full-time priest or pastor, because he has a foot in both worlds. He's, yeah, he's running a church, but, you know, he's there in the morning. I mean, he's dealing with TV and family and all that stuff. And we were using a quote that says, you know, do not worry about tomorrow, but tomorrow worry about itself. Today has trouble enough of its own. And in fact, uh, one of our editors who read that, Skip Hall, said, I couldn't believe. So you said, Jesus said that. That sounds like one of those things you put on the wall. I said, well, it may have ended up on the wall, but he said it first. And that was kind of what I did. But it's hard to do, you know, to not worry about tomorrow. And so I kind of dealt with the issue of worry. How do you handle it? How do you do it in a spiritual way? And also one of the things that Wayne and I were talking about is uh, one of the ways to help you with worry is, all right, if I'm worrying about this, can I plan to do something about it instead of just obsessing about the worst case scenario? Number two is, why do I always go to the worst case scenario? I mean, for example, some of us, I've had some biopsies and things, and actually I was pretty good about that because it was a kind of, I created a phony narrative. It's like, well, my family, we don't do cancer. We do heart disease. Now, if they said there's something wrong with my heart where my dad had a stroke, my mother died of a massive heart attack, I, all that, I would have been really worried. But when I had uh, some skin cancer stuff a couple of times, and there was a possibility it could have been melanoma. They all came back to basal cell, which is there. And I just kind of, one, I couldn't do a thing about it till it came back. And secondly, I just said, you know, I don't see that this has to happen that way. And if it did, then okay, fine. I, I get that's what we have to say. It doesn't have to go bad. And Lord, show me how it doesn't have to go bad. Or Lord, show me how to prepare for this. Or Lord, in the meantime, help me to deal with this other problem that my friend is having to get my mind off my sorry self. You know, those are all things we can do. And, you know, and he who says he never worries, uh, better check that commandment about thou shalt not lie. True. Yeah. And, and I thought the planning thing was a real, just to bring it back to sports a little bit, you talk to coaches, yeah. football coaches. And, you, you know, you'll ask, oh, did you sleep well the night before the game? And the coaches will always say, I slept great the night before the game because they have planned. Everything's been game planned out to where the, the hay's in the barn. You know, you've done everything you can do. And, you know, there's kind of some peace of mind there. And I think you're right. Like if you plan, if you plan the best you can, it takes it does take some of the worry out of it. So and, and if you want to sleep well before the big meeting, before the big exam, because I talked about how a friend of mine, she's having a big meeting at, at her job and what her new role is going to be. And I was talking to her earlier about that. And then I stressed now, do your planning for your meeting. Don't just go in there cold. And then that's it. I said, look, you're good anyway. You're coming out of it with something or other that's good. And I'm not lying. I mean, that, that's that's the truth. So, uh, and, I, you know, having gone through, I was fortunate there where I wasn't really thinking I was going to be laid off, but I've gone through 12 rounds of layoffs over the years, David. And I was with a paper that was sold four times uh, when I was in Akron. And, you know, that, I'll say one thing, then I go back and look at all that and see, you know, and it did hurt a lot of people. And then I'm not gloating or anything, but, you know, the Lord did also have his hand on me. 
And, and that's the thing we got to remember when the Lord did have his hand on you and you got through this family crisis, even if there's a lot of sweat and tears in the process. Good stuff, Terry. Thanks for uh, putting that piece together. I think people really enjoy it. Uh, it'll be in the Plain Dealer on Sunday, and you can catch Terry's Faith in You column on Saturday on cleveland.com. All right. Hey, we're up against time a little bit here. We, we're trying to keep it around 40, 45 minutes because we know uh, your time is valuable, listeners. So we will do what we can here. So we got a couple of Hey Terry questions. You ready? Mm-hmm. Here we go. This one is from Patrick Nardini. This was pretty interesting. He says, Hey, Terry, I like Kevin Stefanski. Great year last year, but so-so this year. One year, one thing I think he's lacking in my ability is the ability to fire up his team. This is very important. a very important part of the coaching job. His stoic, reserved manner does not lend itself to motivating his players. What do you think? Well, let's see. Bill Belichick, there's a real firebrand. <laughs> he's crazy. Uh, yeah. How about Jim Trussell? No, I, I think it's kind of relevant. I once asked Deke, Doug Deacon about that. And I said, because we were talking about Belichick. This one, Belichick was here. And I said, why would anybody, I mean, this guy's so dead, Matt. And, and I said, or else he's sarcastic and demeaning and foul mouth. You know, that was what you would hear from the meetings. But nothing fired up. He said, in the end, players at the pro level, they're looking at you. A, they think, do you know what you're doing? And B, can you make me some money? So if you know what they're doing to help me win and I can make some money because they're not really we're into the rah-rah. So it's now sometimes you like position coaches that, but the head guy, no. And I tend to be in that camp. Yeah. And I think if you look around the league, guys like John Harbaugh and, and Mike Tomlin and yeah, now you know, Tomlin Bruce Arians. Get, and Yeah. Tomlin can get it going. They're all over the place, but in the end, they also know Tomlin helps them win. Which helps them make money as well. So yes. like you said, so. All right, let's go. Uh, there, this one is from Paul Cosgrove in Stowe. And when you were mentioning the Titans earlier, so this yeah. one, I thought I would throw this one here. Paul says, hey, Terry, the Tennessee Titans finished the season 12-5, and five, the best record in the AFC. And then he's got some bullet points here. They don't have a top-rated quarterback. They were without their star running back, Derrick Henry, for the last eight games of the regular season, and they went 6-2. and two. Although they do have a couple of star players, their roster is pretty pedestrian. Every year, this team performs. They look like a 500 team, but seem to win every close game and are a fearful opponent in the playoffs. How do they do it? And I guess, can the Browns be like this? Yeah, if, that's what I want the Browns yeah, to be. This if I could add that. One of the, they're kind of like the young Steelers. You know, the how the Steelers when they were starting out. And, and now, granted, the Steelers had Roethlisberger. But in the beginning, nobody knew how great Roethlisberger was going to be. And, you know, they ran the ball a lot defensively. So I think, uh, I don't know how they do it. Obviously, they don't beat themselves. You know, Vrabel's, a Bel- Vrabel's one of the few Belichick uh, disciples that has done well. Uh, so I'm, just overall, they have a really good team. I want to see it here. But I, I don't have a good answer for that. I love that. I'll tell you how bad it was. Um, when I was doing my podcast with the man of Rabinowitz, we did it on something else. But then we were talking about the playoffs. I could not. Think of the team in the East that got the bye, the AFC. And it was a tight. I couldn't think of them. Well, and it, well, I think one of the reasons is because, the, the, well, one of the reasons for that and one of the reasons for them being so good is their line play. I mean, yeah. they have Taylor Lewan at tackle. He's been there forever. He's just, he's going to, he might be in the Hall of Fame someday. The defense is a bunch of no names, but they're really good. 
mm-hmm. and they're really well coached. And I think if you look, they probably are one of the least penalized teams in the league every year. Yeah. And yeah, they, helps. and you throw Derrick Henry into that mix uh, when he's healthy and uh, that's a load. But then the they, they sh- thing with healthy being with Henry being out, they still won six and two. See, that's, that's the sign that they're really well coached. True. All right, Terry, look, we're going to wrap this up here. I do have a Terry's trivia question for you. All right. And the reason I pulled this one out is because Jetty Osmond has 994 rebounds heading into tonight's game in Chicago. He needs six and he'll have a thousand for his career, which I like. I'm going to start doing some lists here because I think they're kind of fun and the fans can listen. So Jetty's got a thousand. Can you name the Cavs top five all time rebounders? And I bet you can because you nailed a question last week that was a list on no, Cavs GM. So let's. Um, all right. The top five. Hot Rod's probably in there. Hot Rod Williams. Hot Rod is number five at 4,669. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with Nance, but I'm not sure. He's number nine. Okay. No, yeah, I wouldn't hear long enough. Um, you want a hint? Uh, hold on a second. I'm trying to think. How about Jones? Jim Jones is eighth. Hmm. Yeah, give me hints because I'm dropping this all. So over if you me. had to pick one player who was the franchise leader in every category. Well, LeBron, yeah. So he's number one. He's got – Yeah, you have to think, too, guys that have been here for quite a while. That's, yes. that's why I need and to go. This number two is a guy who was one of LeBron's favorite players and played here oh, for a long time. Oh, yeah, time. Z. Z, I should have had The Drunas Elgowskis is number two at 5,904. Is Danny Ferry in there? Danny Ferry is not. Okay. Um, number three. Ten years, I guess that. Huh? Number three is another guy who played with LeBron, who was a center. And okay, left a couple of years ago, Tristan Thompson. He's got 5,393. Yeah. And then number four is a guy you had on your media guide picture that you took when you were writing about the Cavs of the 90s. Brad, Brad. Doherty is number yeah. four at 5,227. That's a pretty good list. The right reason there. I didn't mention Brad right away is because his um, career was cut so short. Yeah. You know, he didn't play a game after the age of 27 because of the major back injuries. This guy would have been a Hall of Famer because he was a 2010 guy for many, many years. Yeah, and I mean, he would have been, you're right, he would have been much higher. He's not that far behind Tristan Thompson, actually, 5393 to 5227. And then just to mention real quick, uh, Kevin Love is number seven, and he's, well, He's probably 500 behind Anderson Barajah to move up into number six. And Kevin Lowe. Yeah, Andy would have been a good, a good guess, too. So. Yeah, yeah, good guess, oh, Terry. You, you did all right there. that ball and kicked it all over the run. <laughs> so there you go. All right, anything else you want to uh, mention real quick before we go? No, that's anything? about it, other than I'm really grateful. I know the podcast is growing, and we're grateful to people listening. Send in your questions. Send in your feedback. So we really, really want to hear from you. Absolutely. And, and you can either hit Terry up on his Facebook page, or if you want to hit us on email, it's sports at cleveland.com and just put Terry's talking in the subject line. We'd love to get a question or just a comment. Um, we need a new host is certainly on the table. <laughs> well, they doubled your pay. So that's right. I'm making, I'm making double what I was making before. Making so. double zero for a four. <laughs> that's for right. Enough. All right, Terry, thanks again uh, for this week. Thank you to everyone who listens. We are growing every week. It's great to grow the community and um, it's, we're so thankful. Like Terry said that you've been able to, listen to the podcast enjoy it we will catch you next week on terry's talking